everyone, and welcome to the 16th episode of Relating to DevSecOps, where we jump into the development, security, and operational issues of today with representation from different disciplines, professions, and specialties so we can solve real-world problems with people that face them. I'm Ken Toller, and I'm joined again by my co-hosts, Simon Dolo for Product Engineering and Jameson Colburn for DevOps. Now, last time, we exited on... Terraform and the Amazon CDK, how they differ and how you might use them. Um, so now in this like seemingly inception type plotline uh, type deep dive, we are heading into the Terraform CDK, which is currently in the alpha stage. And I'm sure one of you will correct me if I'm wrong there, uh, which on the surface and at least my initial reaction to it is like, why? Why do this? You know, with the with all the things we've been talking about before, where you're trying to you know ease the path for policy folks and ease the path for um, folks that aren't engineers or developers, you know, why would we do something like this? So, I do think in the last episode we untangled a bit of the why, um, but I'll ask for you know, your initial reactions first, um, Terraform CDK comes onto the market or into your inboxes. You know, what was your initial reaction? Looking at you, Jameson. Yeah, I know. I'm like, um, I mean, so I think it has its place. I know we spoke about this in the last episode. Um, I think there's some good use cases for it. If you have a lot of infrastructure or you have a lot of repetitive things that are done across multiple teams. I think it's a good way of, of disseminating uh, more of a standard, right? Um, you can kind of, if you're generating Terraform from kind of a common place uh, or, you know, along a common pattern, it might be easier to get your developers to follow that, right? Rather than being like, hey, here's some arbitrary markup or um, DSL that is, you know, HCL um, and, and work with this, figure this out. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Instead, you can hand them a bunch of documentation for, you know, libraries that they're used to in their language, currently limited to TypeScript and Python, but you kind of get the idea is like, I can give them library documentation instead and say, hey, yep, here's some new uh, thing for you to integrate with have at it, right? And I think that that's probably a little bit easier to digest for uh, software development folks. Now, was that your initial reaction to the, the product or is that sort of where you ended up? I'd say that's probably more of where I ended up. My initial reaction, um, like I know we spoke about this in two episodes now, but I've done something similar to this before, troposphere, generating cloud formation, right? Like, I think I've told this story twice now. We won't go back into it, but so I I can see the use for it, um, but I definitely at first was a little bit like, okay, this is weird because I, I think you had mentioned it before, Ken, where it is it feels like we're going backwards to a certain degree where like I'm building an abstraction of an abstraction, um, but yeah, like I've come around to it. I can appreciate it. I could, I, I've already, I like, I've already found ways in which I would use it. So, um, that makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, that, that's where I'm coming from is like my initial reaction was sort of, you know, watching all the marketing material on Terraform and diving in and getting into it. And, you know, why do we use Terraform and, uh, you know, making things simple and approachable and, and all of that, it seems to 
on the surface for me fly in the face of all that. Uh, but we'll we'll get into sort of where I ended up um, in a in a bit. But Simon, I mean, we've you know admittedly covered this already, but I know that um, you know th- this whole ecosystem of Terraform and a- Amazon CDK, something that you're sort of rapidly researching as we get into these episodes. Given sort of the initial introduction to Terraform, the Amazon CDK and CloudFormation, what was your initial reaction to all this? Yeah, so confused, I think, was the first reaction. Uh, a, a little bit concerned. I think the, the concept of going backwards definitely stuck in my head. Uh, it's still there. Uh, I'm still a little bit confused. Uh, you know, diving into Amazon CDK, I can see the value. You know, I'm not a cloud expert. I'm not an infrastructure expert. Uh, but having something that's so powerful and customizable where you can uh, maybe go your own way a little bit and, and you know, get a little funky with stuff, I think is great. Um, is it something that I would be comfortable doing without DevOps holding my hand? Probably not, unless I choose to specialize. Uh, what I liked about the original Terraform setup was, was the fact that that was taken away from me. You know, I, I can borderline hand like a technical spec to um, someone on DevOps, say, hey, is this reasonable? Uh, this is kind of what I'm going for in terms of my environment setup. Is this appropriate? Um, and so that, that was really inviting for me. And so when I see that Terraform is, you know, working on its own CDK, um, you know, I can understand uh, we've got Amazon out right now, but I, I do feel like it's a step backwards because, you know, really, if I'm going to go and, and use this tool, uh, I'm essentially extending classes to, the, to the, the least of my ability with the least intrusion where I can set up constructs, I can set up, uh, you know, the bare minimum of what I need, which honestly, without DevOps support will be very simple. Um, So I feel like it's almost turning this configuration into this object oriented, like over elaborated uh, declarative problem um, that I now have to maintain. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, where I would go from setting up an application that does this. And I'm thinking about my, my software engineering, product engineering mind, like, oh, you know, I can maybe use Spring to help me manage this stuff a little bit better. But now I'm introducing a new framework that now has to deal with this new setup that I don't understand. So, you know, what loads first, what methods get called first, like, that's now in my control. These are in, these are problems in my hands now. And that's where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want this power anymore. Yeah, I mean, exactly. For me, it's, I'm not clear on what doors we're opening. I think that's where I'm where I'm at right now with this as an approach is, and I'm super new to the Terraform CDK. I'm newer to this than I am to the uh, Amazon CDK and Terraform is probably the thing that I'm most comfortable with, right? So we're, we're sort of approaching it from that angle is like, as we unpack all of this, um, what are our initial gut reactions? What are our concerns? And that that's, ex- I mean, you hit the nail on the head for me. It's like, what am I opening up here? You know, if I, if I, provide all this access to my engineering teams am i is there a security risk there do i have to evaluate this as a framework you know where am i going so you mentioned constructs and i think that we're gonna you know i'll let you noodle on that for a second i think we're gonna get into um you know the interpretation of constructs and uh, we could really use simon's help on the definition of that or i could at least um but yeah, I mean, for, for me, my initial reaction is is like, dude, you know, we just got to this point where Terraform is this robust, awesome product that we can we can show to we can show to engineers, we can show to security, we can show to DevOps, and it's it's like pretty 
you know, you might, you're working within the confines of these guidelines and that helps the security process. And I love that about Terraform because it's like, you know, we've put all these guardrails around it for you and forcing these teams to operate within those guidelines helps us a lot because it means that we're all sort of operating on the same vocabulary. And as soon as you start to open this up to other languages, you expand that vocabulary, you expand those capabilities um, almost willy-nilly, right? It, like for lack of a, maybe there is a better word, but for right now, lack of a better word is like you're opening up all of these guardrails to a degree of what we can do. So my question is, you know, what do constructs provide us? What are they? How do they, you know, where do we end up with, with using these inside of Terraform? How does it benefit us or, or what are your interpretations of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I can start with some of the, the research and findings that I found. So for those of you who don't know what a construct is, essentially it's just uh, a component in your cloud uh, environment. So it's just a, a concrete object. And and these can go from something very simple to something very complicated. Uh, I do believe they're, they're kind of built in terms of tiers. So like a tier one example of a construct is something like an S3 bucket, literally all it is. Uh, if you want to get a little bit fancier than that, you can go to tier two and tier three and start talking about contracts that have something like a load balancer put in front of it. Um, you know, and it's, that's entirely up to you. So these contracts are essentially uh, now objects instead of configurations that you can use to configure how you want your environment to be set up. And the the thing that's very powerful about this is, again, these are all uh, just whatever language you're using, these are classes that are extending another class that Terraform or Amazon provides. So you basically extend that class, you you fill in a few uh, extended methods. So you're providing something like an ID, a name, uh, maybe the the lifecycle, uh, you know, read permission, stuff like that. And you instantiate it and add it to your environment. Um, and, and you can use this to the point where you can now extend it and make a custom object. So uh, going back to the S3 example, if you want to do something that's a little bit more funky, something more maybe custom tailored to your industry, you can go ahead and do that. Um, you know, just to put in my two cents here again, this is a lot of power for me looking from as a product engineer, and I feel like I can make mistakes really easily. Um, it's it, To me, it all goes back to, if if you can add this as a configuration out of the box, you're, you know, companies like Terraform, HashiCorp, Terraform, Amazon, you know, they're, they're working to build these tools for us. So I'm sure the center of excellence and the standard of, of what makes sense, um, you know, is coming from them. So I'm just afraid that giving that power to someone like me and Jameson could be in, in a totally different boat, just feels like I'm, I'm asking to shoot myself in the foot. <laughs> Jameson, anything uh, to add on to that? No, I mean, um, the thing I will say, and I think I said in the last episode was this is, this is really moving to true infrastructure as code, right? So rather than it being infrastructure as a domain specific language, right? Like this is, you know, infrastructure defined in Python, in Java, in TypeScript. Um, and, and really kind of that's the path. I think that that's the potential path forward, right? Where um, maybe Terraform and CloudFormation was a stop along the way, but this could very much be the future. And I think that that's why you see uh, folks like HashiCorp and folks like Amazon pushing this because um, this could be the final form for infrastructure as code, right? And with that, um, you know, you open the door of, uh, like we talk, we, we've talked about testing, right? And how difficult testing of Terraform can be and uh, any of your infrastructure as code tools. Talk about, you know, even policy uh, with, with Sentinel, right? 
And so with that, maybe a lot of this becomes easier because these things are defined uh, in, in a fashion that is similar to what a lot of the tooling that exists for those things today um, is already accustomed to, right? It is a major language that folks know. So w when I look at a static analysis tool or something, right? Like maybe now that gets extended to cover this instead, right? And so I think that that could be the direction that we see this go. And I, I agree, it's very much early days. And to your earlier point, Ken, it is still an alpha. So we'll, we'll see where that all ends up. But I mean, just with kind of what is supported as of now, right? Like they support Azure, they support AWS. And I think in some cases they support GCP for the Terraform CDK. And so that's kind of, and the same reason that a lot of folks went down the path of using Terraform just because it is multi-cloud, like the Terraform CDK uh, supporting multi-cloud is kind of a, a similar um, similar potential avenue for a lot of, a lot of companies. Yeah, I mean, so there's a couple of things that you both said there. One is the testing that you're talking about um, being hard to do in, in Terraform. I can tell you that I've I've never had an easier approach to um, testing what you might consider software from a security perspective than I have with Sentinel and Terraform because you have a method of doing these things where someone can come in, learn the testing language quickly, um, write in that testing language quickly, understand that testing language quickly, and then start to get into it within a matter of weeks. Uh, as opposed to something in engineering where it's not only does this person have to understand the language, they have to understand the testing framework, they have to understand the product, they have to understand how it's being used in order to test it appropriately. But because we are confining these things to Terraform and Sentinel, um, and because those two things are like hand in hand, that's what that's what like all the conversation we had in the previous two episodes really comes together where it's like, you know, I can throw this at pretty much anyone that has some um, modicum of technical capability in these fields, security, engineering, uh, DevOps, development, policy, and they can understand a piece of this and start to learn the other components fairly quickly. And then we get into sort of where we're going with the CDK stuff and it's and we're getting further into um, the same problem security has today. You know, we still face the same security problems in applications that we've faced five, 10, 15 years ago, right? And not only are we still facing them, but as we get into cloud, we start to face the same problems as these things get more abstracted or as permissions are moved into things like AWS or whatever it might be. So we're recycling these same issues. So my my fear in the CDK route is that we're going to find another sort of attack bed, so to speak, of where these issues manifest themselves in, that are common across the board. That's where I'm going. It's like we have this like sort of restrictive approach where we go down the path of Terraform and Sentinel. We have this very open approach where we go down the path of you know whatever language you want to go about this in. You you go about doing it in that. Um, so that that's sort of where I'm at on it. it that's that's my my fear. And I think we can go either way. It just sort of depends on the organization. Yeah, no, and I, I can understand those uh, concerns. The one thing I will say so far with what I've seen with the Terraform CDK is there would be nothing that would preclude you from continuing usage of like Sentinel, right? I can still export my um, 
export my resource definition as a JSON and pass that to Sentinel. So I, I think as long as we maintain those you know, compatibilities, um, I, I think that it still allows for existing tooling uh, that, that is you know, geared towards Terraform to still be used despite uh, the definition being within the CDK, right? And so I think that's kind of one of the things that um, if we maintain that, like it going forward as an industry, I think that that kind of allows folks to, to play on both sides of it, right? Whereas if, if you're really hardcore and you want to define all your infrastructure in Python or TypeScript, um, you can, right? You have that option. But then, you know, if all of your testing and all of your existing, um, you know, tooling is geared towards, you know, uh, you know, resource file, like Terraform well, resource files and everything, you could still use that. Um, so it's like you don't break that, you know, we'll, we'll call it contract just to kind of poke fun at Simon um, and contract <laughs> testing call back to like, I was at episode four or something. Um, but as long as they don't break that contract, I think that that provides a nice way for folks to collaborate because the folks that are not developers and that don't want to get you know, into Java or Python can still look at the output of that and understand what's going on there. Um, and then the folks that are developers that don't want to look at that output, well, they don't have to. They only have to look at what's you know what what has been created within um, you know within their application. I I kind of agree with you, Jameson. My my concern is the fact that you're now basically opening the world of ex extendability to you know what la what language you're choosing. And what I mean by that is, engineers are always going to want to take the easiest approach. So you know when you have something uh, again like a simple construct and you want to deal with it anymore you can override now all of that functionality in all of those classes you can call super on those functions but before then you can do whatever you want so you know if you want to just you know implement an extra interface that just grants read write access to all the things that you're dealing with because you know it gets a secure application that's totally normal you can go ahead and do that and 10 years down the line someone's using this class because it's super easy to integrate and now you've basically doomed your entire organization so like I, I think yes, the the functionality is there, and you can continue to integrate Sentinel, and you can continue to do these things. But the 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 failure rate, and like I guess I want to say like the bus number is now on you. So it's you know who do you want to put your investment in? Is it your hopefully really talented DevOps and security team that now has to track this, or do you want to use you know what Terraform is providing out of the box um, and let them be the rule of thumb? Because you know based on what I've seen on their documentation and, and their best practices, it's very easy to follow. So uh, I personally would not want to lose that. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point too. And I, I've, as you're talking, similarly thinking about that of like we are taking something that is fairly standard right now, which is Terraform. And, you know, I can take somebody that knows Terraform and transplant them into another organization. And like, well, there may be some idiosyncrasies of how that Terraform, that new Terraform they see is written by and large, they can understand it. Whereas like, if it's somebody that's using the TFCDK or CD, yeah, TFCDK, I think is CDK, TF, whatever. Um, I'm going to mess that up, but uh there's a bunch of different languages. They're talking about adding more languages, right? And so now I have that, you know, almost like lock-in of, all right, type, TypeScript is the best supported thing right now. So we're going to write everything in TypeScript. And as someone that does not write TypeScript, um, it's mildly horrifying to me that, that that could happen. And then someone else comes in and they're like, I know everything about the CDK, CFCDK, but I know it in Python, right? And then like, you know, 
take the number of languages and multiply how many different scenarios you can come up with there. And I think that that's part of the problem um, is, is that you could see this explosion of, of in every different direction uh, based on how many languages are supported of like folks just doing something slightly different. And as an organization, like if, you know, if you have strong standards around the languages you use, maybe that's fine. But just even from a supportability of like, can I Google this for like and find a relevant stack overflow, right? Like it's going to be harder because maybe everyone decides to use TypeScript and nobody decides to use Python. And then like, if you're a Python guy like me, it's kind of like, mm, that's not going to be fun, you know? So I could definitely see that as, um, as a potential issue, just the supportability of all the possible permeations of, of languages and uh, abstraction layers. So I'm glad you latched onto that point of like supportability because that, that was my, that was a, a thought that, that sort of came across my mind as well. But Simon, the, the thing that like, like stuck out to me, right, uh, from the security side and um, Jameson, maybe you can elaborate on this as well, is the idea that an engineer can override um, a method or a class that exists within this, um, within these guardrails. And that is where I sort of um, this that's like my fear realized, right, is that now you have this new class, this new method that's overridden within an organization, whereas previously as a tariff, like maybe you're a DevOps consultant, you're coming into an organization, you're like writing Terraform, everything that you know and do, you can pretty, um, you know, with as much gusto as you want, say, this is how things are done. And like, this is the best practice. This is the method that you want to go through it. And then, it, but if you go into an organization that's rewritten this, this way of deployment with the Terraform CDK, now you're facing like, this is the best practice, but it's actually implementing something insecurely. And that, that's like a great point, right? For me is that you have to look at like, are these classes overridden? And that's a thing that you look for in application security, you know, day to day, you know, ha have I, have I overridden this like, you know, secure class or whatever. And we can, we all know that there are insecure configurations out there. The stack overflow copy pasta that happens every <laughs> single day of, you know, insecure configurations or overridden classes or whatever. And then, you know, if we get onto Simon's, a pedestal of like Ruby and metaprogramming and all of that, then it's like, you know, these issues can compound themselves not only in the applications, but in their underlying infrastructure. And that is like my biggest fear with the the CDK approach versus the the sort of guardrail Terraform approach of infrastructure, depending of course on who you're using to, de to deploy that infrastructure. And so I think that, um, first of all, um, I think that brings us to a, a new sort of uh landing spot but initial reactions to that i mean for from the security side on uh, from you all um i mean i know it's been debated a lot of like infrastructure is code is it application security is it platform security like where does that land in like your security uh specialty and I think the CDK definitely kind of tips the scales and like with that, it, you know, 
it officially becomes an AppSec problem. And I'm going to use the word problem there intentionally. Um, but I, I think that that's, that's kind of my reaction to that is that with that, with that flexibility becomes cl complexity and with that complexity becomes more, um, you know, more things that folks need to have eyes on, need to be aware of. And, um, and starts to be in the territory of where you need like somebody that specializes in application security to really be um, handling these sort of things. Right, right. Simon, anything? I agree with Jameson. I think the to me, the purpose of a, a language, whether it be a functional language or an object-oriented language, I'm not talking about like HTML or CSS that's just purely declarative, is the thing that you're writing, you need to be an expert hopefully, on, on what you're trying to write. So I'm making a web app. I'm writing it in Java or what have you. Like, the purpose is a web app. Situation like this, you're writing infrastructure code. The person who's writing it, if you're dealing with a language that has functionality, needs to be an expert in infrastructure. And, like, you look at Jameis's example versus my example, right? If you were to do this in Java, like, there's... It's a training language for a reason, right? You have to De declare everything explicitly every little thing needs to be overwritten and defined and have a type and have classes that map to it and you give that sort of infrastructure boilerplate to a, a product engineer they're going to want to do that once and then they do not want to look at it ever again you look at the python side on the other side which again i think is more approachable but now like you know, maybe you don't need typing everywhere. Uh, you know, this could be an S3 bucket. It could be a horse. It's infrastructure, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's fine. So like you need to, you need to know, like the person doing this needs to know what's going on if you're going to approach it from code. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, we might disagree on what languages you prefer or whatever, but I think <laughs> that where, what this comes down to for me is again, this overlapping of skill sets. And if you wanted to do this 100% correctly, you'd want this team of unicorns that know Python, no TypeScript, no AWS, no infrastructure, have come up through the networking game, have come up from SATCOM, like have all of these different skill sets and they're applied. And you see those, you know, in the recruiting realm today, like we want all the things in one person uh, and we want to pay them $50,000 a year and call it a day, right? But I don't think that enough of those people exist that are willing to do things pro bono uh, or a little bit more than pro bono. So it's then how do we bring that stuff together? And that is where like, I think that the relating to DevSecOps mantra comes the culmination in this is that you have to be able to collaborate with these other organizations, be able to work with them effectively and learn from them. Right, because every single organization is going to have these uh, different approaches, different mindsets, different expertises, different languages. You might have someone like Simon who's like very job oriented and doesn't want to ever deal with anything that's like not explicitly typed. Um, you might have someone like me that's like you know looser, fast and loose with the languages or whatever. And we need to work together, right? And we need to be able to understand and like work with each other to 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 try to make this this product. And if that collaboration, that communication doesn't exist, that's not only is it not going to work, but you're going to open up security holes or you're going to open up engineering bugs or whatever it might be between these two teams. And that's, I think that's what the, I think that at, at the heart of it, I think what to me, the Terraform CDK is trying to do is like enable these cultures, right? Enable the ability for these folks to work together, to bring these different expertises together and try to like, not shoehorn them in, but 
establish a bridge, right? Where I can learn, like Simon can learn Terraform or I can learn Java, right? And so we can sort of meet in the middle somewhere or, you know, Jameson, you know, you might want to just stick with Terraform. You can learn some Java or you can say, well, I know Python. This is how I do it in Python. Simon can translate it to Java. It's like this, it's, it's building that bridge uh, and it's, and it's establishing this sort of toolbox of tools. And I think where I want to go with this is like, ultimately, how do we pick the right tool for our organization? So um, without, you know, naming relative organizations or anything that you've worked at, like, can you think of a couple of examples of where you might have used, you know, Terraform versus Terraform CDK versus Amazon CDK or or whatever, and I'll throw it to you all since I've been on my pedestal of communication for at least two minutes. I just want to say I'm surprised you didn't say Jameson might be using Terraform in Perl, so I'm a little hurt, but my two Well, it's not done. a supported language right now, Simon. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, my in my previous experience, uh, to those of you who are listening... Jameson is currently holding up a Pearl Bible, so... And it's got uh, a very shiny cover and not a lot of thumbed pages. <laughs> I think he bought it for the, the hound picture. Oh, he wrote it. I'm sure he wrote it. <laughs> I did not write it. I but, wish I wrote it. Oh, but. <laughs> to, to answer your question, Ken, uh, in some previous companies I worked for, they were definitely more on the startup side. So, you know, build fast, have a lot of uh, more product centric engineers get something out the door. So um, we didn't really have a DevOps team. It was very, very naive. So in terms of our infrastructure, uh, I would have been all for Terraform. Um, Terraform on the config level. Um, you know, it's a group of, uh, you know, gung-ho engineers who don't really know exactly what they're doing. Um, they get stuff out the door as quick as they can. Uh, I, I think uh, any of the CDKs would have been too much um, just, it would have been too much for them to deal with. Uh, I think the the deploy speed and, and production would would have gone down. Um, for more a company with you know more bandwidth to support you know the DevOps world and the DevOps skill set, I would be more comfortable with the CDK. I would rather collaborate with them and have their support um, and have their input. Um, me sprinkling in my help where I can. Uh, that way we can have something that's you know not only sustainable but tailored to you know that industry. Got it. So before we get into Jameson's opinion, so you're saying that basic, and if I, yeah, this is, I'm not trying to dumb it down for anyone else except myself. So you're saying that basically like if, um, if you're coming into an organization where it's mostly engineers, there's no DevOps team, no security team, or whatever, you want to go for the simplest thing possible and actually like latch onto the, just Terraform as it exists today, like buy Terraform enterprise if we can use open source or whatever. And then if you have the the support of DevOps, you're like, well, now we can do some more complicated things. And then I can work with them to, you know, um, provide the the benefits of the language that they're trying to develop in because maybe they can't do something with Terraform. They're coming to you for help. Yeah, exactly. And it's really just the maturity of a company. You know, as you grow, obviously, you're not going to have a lot of eyes on you. But as you get bigger and you start working on harder problems, you know, you start to get to that state of the art mode. And at that point, you, you might need to start making these decisions on your own. Um, and that's where I think, you know what, you may have to at some point go past what Terraform is offering and customize to what you need based on you know, your traffic and your, uh, you know, whatever you're working on. That's, that's interesting. I definitely thought you would go the other way. Like, 
you know what? Terraform in Java. I know Java. Like, let's do it. Right. <laughs> Screw it. I'm, I'm off to the races. You know, we can do it how we, how we, how we want to do it because we don't have the support of a DevOps team, but it's, it's, I mean, I like that approach, obviously. Um, and sort of, <laughs> it's a, a much more stepped approach and that settles my mind, so to speak, Jameson. Yeah. I mean, I could probably talk back and forth and, and, and contradict myself in the process on it. Well, that's what we do here. Um, yeah, that, that should be the slogan. Um, so from my perspective, like if I was starting brand new Greenfield, I would probably go CDK just because it's, you know, as you grow, you could ex extend with it. But also if, you know, I'm a small team, uh, I don't have a lot of people, but I maybe have like one or two people that are very, uh, like are very deeply technical in, in DevOps and infrastructure. I, I think that you can really use the CDK to kind of shoehorn in to a, a stronger development process. And maybe if you're just writing resource files, right, you can kind of be fast and loose about it. Um, and not to say you can't write code that's fast and loose, but I think that it's like, there's a certain level of maturity um, that starts to kind of manifest itself as you're doing software development, whereas, you know, uh, infrastructure can just sometimes be magic and chaos. Um, and so with that, like if I was starting brand new, I would probably go with CDK and just, you know, get it in the hands of my developers, really start to kind of build that cross-functional discipline of, hey guys, this is infrastructure as code. Like here's, you know, here's some constructs we've created. Here's some constructs from um, from Terraform that are HashiCorp out of the box, right? But like, here's how this thing works. Help us collaborate with us and, and really, you know, build it out that way. I think that that could be like a really, really powerful uh, alliance of, um, you know, software engineering and DevOps. Uh, in a really big organization that has a lot of legacy, I would probably just stick with Terraform just because there's so much friction to overcome there to get it, you know, to introduce it and really get people to care about it and to really, you know, buy in on it. Um, there's some caveats there. Like it depends on really like what that organization is. Like if I'm software as a service, for instance, maybe I feel differently than if I'm just like big enterprise, um, you know, corporation. Uh, so, I mean, it really depends. And I think the other caveat to all of this is who do you have involved, right? Because if you can get, you know, software engineers involved in this and to collaborate with you, I really think CDK is the way to go because you can take their expertise in software development and you can like, you can just steal that, right? And be like, guys, you're going to help us. You're going to bring a certain amount of discipline to this that we might not have otherwise. Like we can follow Gitflow. We can, you know, promote this as if it's a real application, um, and, and not to say you can't do those things with Terraform, you absolutely can. Um, but as I said, like, like having a true bona fide SDLC process, there's like something special there that I think would help, um, really push infrastructure as code really to like that next level. So, got it. So, so Jameson, like your, your approach is almost the opposite. Again, dumbing it down for myself only, not for the audience is just, so you're saying like, you know, as somebody that comes in with Terraform knowledge. I want to just throw this, uh, like I'm looking at the CDK as this is something I can give my engineering team to take a lot of the workload off of me, right? I can, I can leverage their expertise in these languages as engineers to help me integrate with their process, whether, you know, in Git or um, the deployment pipeline or whatever it might be, 
And I think that that is like a very true statement. One of the things that I, I see is that a lot of times your DevOps team and your engineering team, they're both, you know, working with Jenkins, they're working through deploy pipelines, they have their, their testing, but, but they're completely different flows because you have like, you know, you're trying to sort of shoehorn this process into Terraform, whereas now you can almost take that and just shove it right into the existing SDLC process. You can leverage the same, you know, if you're agile, you can do all the same things and it's the same language and you can do the same type of things with pull requests and, um, you know, integration testing and unit testing and all that kind of thing. So that, that to me is, is, uh, something I didn't necessarily think of on the fly today, but in an interesting approach, am am I on the right page for you? Yeah, definitely. It's I would say it's the DevOps holy grail, like, you know, getting everyone working in unison together. Yeah. 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 I mean, from the security side, it's like I can, you know, if I'm coming into an organization uh, and there is no usually if there's a if there's a security team, an application security team, one or two things happens. Either there's a DevOps team or either there's a (laughs) development team. Right. And it's or or they're, they're both there or there's like some mishmash. So for me, it really depends on the organization. And I, I would say that I, I bef- like, as you all were talking, I sort of changed my opinion, but it's, I, I feel like right now it's like the, it's who's the stronger voice, right? If DevOps is the stronger voice or the more security centric voice, I'll probably take Jameis's approach. And if, and if, you know, Simon's voice is, the stronger voice and there's one DevOps person, or maybe I don't agree with their approach or they're trying to do something that I'm not like down with, then I might go, go that route. And I think security is always sort of playing that role where it's like, you know, who can I, who can I get the most bandwidth from to get what I'm doing? And I think that what Terraform has done and what AWS has done is provide you with the tools to be able to do that with whomever you'd like, right? If, if your, if your voice is policy, you might want to go the Sentinel route, Terraform route to make it as easy as possible because they're getting the most traction in the organization for security, right? If DevOps is very security centric and and you have, you know, a champion in that organization and they're using Terraform and they've got a good, and they've got a good relationship with your engineering team, that's probably the best bridge. And you can, you can sort of use Terraform into Terraform CDK to establish that. But to me, I look at these as tools, right? What is the best tool for the job within the organization? And and I've sort of come to realize through these conversations um, that none of them are, are necessarily wrong. To me, it's almost like these things are not used exclusively of each other is the, is the theme that I keep coming down to is that you don't have to use just Terraform and not the Amazon CDK or just Terraform and not CloudFormation or just Terraform and not Terraform CDK. You can use these things in combination to achieve your goals. And I think that those tools should be used as bridges and they can be used in collaboration. So as a security practitioner, it's almost like, what is your, what do you want your end state to be? Where do you have your best relationships? And then how do you want to leverage them? And what, what do they prefer? And then you can sort of take these tools and say, look, you want to work in Python, man, look, I would prefer to work in Terraform. Here's the Terraform CDK. You can start in Python. I would love to, you know, bring you over to my side, but if we go your way, great. You know, but these are all the security hurdles you're going to have to face. If you go Terraform, we just have to go through these, you know, this policy discussion or, or whatever it might be. So I think that those, I think that these tools enable those conversations and that's sort of where I come at it from. 
Yeah, I could definitely see all that. Like, it really, at the end of the day, it's using the best tool for the job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the revelation for me is that um, is that they're not exclusive of each other, right? Is that I think coming into this series, and and you, I'm gonna get your reactions as well. It's like coming into the series, how has your opinion changed? But um, mine has changed in that I'm looking at. I started with the the lens of how do these tools compete against each other, and I've come out of it as how can I use these tools together to achieve whatever I'm doing in the organization. And as a consultant, that's super powerful to me because if someone comes at me with a unique problem, I have a larger toolbox. Jameson? Yeah, no, I mean, that that makes sense. And I was, I was going to say, there's a, um, there's a video from CDKA Day, which was back in September. I haven't watched it yet, admittedly. It's on my watch list, but... Uh, and, and it's supposed to cover this. A few folks have recommended it to me now of like, basically, how do you use CDK8s? How do you use CDKTF? And how do you use uh, the AWS CDK like kind of in unison and in conjunction with each other to make the best possible um, product or outcome? So is are you in a similar boat? Like, how did you start like the the series? And then where are you now? Yeah, I mean, I started with a fair amount of skepticism. Um, as I mentioned, top of this, uh, the thing for me, the revelation for me was like, this is very similar to what I had done with Troposphere. And like, I won't say that was a painful process, but it was definitely a unique process, right? Where it was not, like also not a lot of folks were doing it back then. So it felt like you're like, I'm clearly doing something wrong because there's not a lot of people trying to do the same thing I'm trying to do. Um, so I would say that's kind of where I started. And then uh, now, like, as we've talked through it more, as I've thought through it a lot more, and um, it, it's, I, I've come to a place where, like, I see a, a very strong case for this. And I, I I can see this as the future, really. And, and that, you know, these other, these other DSLs uh, were kind of just steps along the way to get here. But now that we're here, this is, this is what we're, this is what we'll move forward with. Got it. Cool. Thanks. And then Simon, I mean, you're new to all this, like from, I mean, in terms of like time to approaching this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you've, you've gone, you've sort of run the gamut, you know, you've learned Terraform, you've learned Amazon CDK, you've learned CloudFormation, you've learned, uh, you know, where we are. So, you know, within the span of, I would say, what, six weeks, um, you know, where'd you start? Where'd you end up? Yeah, I, I definitely came into this with a mindset of, you know, our three brain spaces are, are just a solid line dividing the three. Uh, and I, that's definitely changed it to more of a dotted line. Um, you know, even just the other episodes we've talked about, we've, we have, we have, we're, we're using very similar tools and, and similar is, is a strong word there. Um, and we all have our own set of best practices and, and they mesh together a whole lot more than I thought. Um, you know, and, and looking at specifically the, the CDK stuff on Amazon and Terraform, having it mapped to a language that I'm comfortable with makes it obviously more accessible for me to understand it. But it was, it's interesting to see that uh, the tools that I'm using are being used in a different way to solve somebody else's type of problems, which I thought was really cool. Cool. So would you say that you ended on that note? And then like, so you started with like the complete division, like you're doing your thing, we're doing our thing. And now we're sort of blending this all together. So you're like, well, now I have the tools to collaborate. So like the bridge concept, am I accurate there? 
absolutely. Uh, I, I, I'm really glad we started out with just Terraform vanilla because it, it, it kind of almost reinforced my mindset originally of like product engineers should totally not be doing this. Just like enter in some fields, move on with your life. Like you couldn't possibly handle this. And then, you know, having a CDK available, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like let's elaborate on this and build on it. And you can clearly see that like the CDK is tailored for obviously infrastructure work. Um, so it's, it's, to me, it's interesting to see the bridge of like, I'm trying to deal with object oriented programming, which is a much more, uh, intensive field on my side and trying to map that to solve a DevOps problem. And, and that definitely piqued my interest and made me realize like, Hey, like we're obviously kind of all in the same boat here. Yeah. Cool, man. No, I, I mean, you know, I love, I love this series because I think that it's taken us through a lot of, um, the, the trials we go through, maybe the debates or the conversations that we have with these different teams. And that's the spirit of this podcast is like, how do we enable this? And it's under the surface, you know, these organizations are building these, not the bridges themselves, but the tools to create these bridges. And like, we just have to jump in and take advantage of them and and find people that are like minded to do it. And, and that, that's super exciting to me. And I've definitely, you know, um, gained another appreciation for like why these tools exist and where we can go with them. And I'll definitely take that to, you know, organizations that I consult with. So I'm, I'm happy we, we went through this for sure. Likewise. Yeah. So that, I mean, look, I don't know if there's a better way to wrap it up at at, at that point, but, um, you know, we're, we're going to continue to dig, into these on our side, but, uh, it does wrap it up for the series. Um, hopefully all of our listeners have enjoyed sort of walking through this discovery process with us. And if you have any feedback, you know, please send it our way. You can always reach us on Twitter at R2DSO. Uh, you, if you're listening, um, you can go to www.r2dso.com if you want to listen to us on the web. Uh, and if you're just wanting to send feedback over old school email, you can reach us at security at r2dso.com. Thank you for listening. Um, we will be coming at you with some new topics here pretty soon. Uh, again, we've moved to a two week cycle just so that we have some more time to research more technical topics. So uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening and have a good one.